You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So we've been in Romans chapter 8. I'm supposed to start the Vineyard Advent series today, but it's not near as good as Romans 8. We just got to stay right there. Hopefully we'll finish up Romans 8 today. So open your hearts to hear the word of the Lord. I begin reading at verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Can you say glorified? Glorified. Glorified. Okay. Put the period at the glorified. Mm -hmm. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor anything else in all creation. Hold on, I got lost there. Did I already hit powers? Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right. Separation anxiety, we're going after you today. Mm -hmm. So, Father, thank you for your word. We ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church, what your Spirit is saying to us individually, personally, and corporately. We love you. We set our heart and our affection upon you, and we ask now that you give us the ability to absorb your love and truth in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this passage of Scripture. I've used it as a pastor over and over and over again, especially about that, that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. And you go through all the different lists of all the things that could possibly separate us from his love. I remember going up as as a young pastor, and I had someone who was getting ready to go under uh, surgery for brain, some brain surgery. And as as I was meeting with him, and as I was talking with David, getting him ready to go into surgery, this passage of scripture, the Holy Spirit just highlighted, and he said, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even anesthetic. I thought, oh, So after that, I've been on a mission ever since of saying, okay, when you are under the knife and the surgeon's operating and you're out under the anesthetic, 
I want you to realize that your spirit and the Holy Spirit are going to be in, in a communication, in a fellowship, in a, in a wonderful time together. And I want you to pay attention so you can tell me what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Because I want to know what he's doing when, when people are going for surgery. Well, if you know anything about the medical world, they always add that little extra amnesia stuff. So you can't remember anything. You can't remember the trauma leading up to going out, and then you don't remember anything. And I've had people that have woke up in the midst of the procedure because the anesthetic had messed up somehow, but because they had that, that additive, they, they couldn't remember it, which I think that's good. I think it's good that you don't remember the trauma of having your flesh cut. Not fun. Well, I've taken that and I've brought that down, as you know, to when you go to bed at night. When you go into a state of subconsciousness, when you're going to sleep, and as you're going to sleep, be aware that if you give the Lord permission, he will do stuff while you're sleeping. I believe because our spirits do not sleep, that as, as our body is resting and our soul's resting, our spirit and the Holy Spirit is communing. And as we make ourselves open and available, we can have surgery right while we sleep in the sense of the things that have harmed us, he can take out. I ask him to take all the bad stuff out. Every agreement that I made with, with the enemy, when I go to bed, I give the Lord permission to take it out. Now, how many woke up this morning and you said, I think I'm going to agree with the enemy today? <laughs> Not me. We never do that deliberately. But in reality, as we get through the day, it's like, oh, man, I agreed with him there. I, I, I went negative here. I just uh, can't believe all the different ways that I, I didn't stay positive with the Lord. Mm. So at nighttime, you get to get those things removed. All agreements remove all the strongholds, remove everything out of my life that keeps me from knowing you. And then I also add to it, Lord, if there's things that I never got, sometimes we have those kind of things. We didn't have the parents that we needed. And so they didn't put in us the things that we wanted. We didn't have the teachers. We didn't have the coaches. We didn't have other people that put in and invested in us. So Lord, if there's something that I am still in lack, still in need of, I give you permission while I'm sleeping to put that in me. And he does. Hmm. Now, the last part is if I got my wiring crisscrossed, Lord, I give you permission to straighten out my wiring to make sure that my, my circuits, to make sure that the wiring, how I'm wired is in a line with how you have ordained for me to be wired, not the way my past, my traumas, not the way my, even the influence of my culture, my family, my environment. Lord, I want to be wired the way you have before the foundation of the world. You've ordained me to be wired. I want to know that reality. So... <clears throat> That's my intro. <laughs> Listen to this in the Passion Translation. Okay, brace yourself. It's time to get rocked. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. 
For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. Hallelujah. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? Mm. For God has proved his love by giving us his treasure, his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Let that sink in. Who then would dare accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Put that on your refrigerator. He's continually praying for our triumph. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for your name, for your sake, God, we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our, victori- our glorious victory over everything. Let me read that again. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. 
doubt about it. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When we start in Romans chapter 8, it begins with the, with the reality that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And as we find ourselves in Christ, there is now no condemnation. How do you secure somebody in love? How do you secure your children? How do you, discure, how do you secure your spouse? How do you secure those that, that you live and do life with in love? Well, first of all, you, you assure them that, one, you're never going to condemn them. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, there is now no condemnation for you because you're in Christ Jesus. Now, the enemy will come with all sorts of counterattacks. He'll say, ha, are you arrogant or what? You think that there's nothing in you to be condemned? No, I'm standing in Christ Jesus, and there is absolutely nothing in him to be condemned. Nothing in him that can be condemned. He is the flawless, spotless Lamb of God that was absolutely supreme. His blood was more supreme than any other blood of any other animal, any other person. It is the perfect, pure, holy blood of God. And as we are in him and his blood has covered us, there is something of his wonderful, perfect righteousness that has been transferred to us. It's not because we deserved it. It's not because we earned it. It's not because we've got how to be more righteous than everybody else program. It's because we by faith have received the righteous work that he did upon the cross as our own. And we, when we receive him, we get everything we need. But we've got to continue to grow, don't we? We've got it all, but it's still a revelation that gets unveiled because we have so many wounds in our soul that the enemy exploits and torments and causes us to believe that good news is bad news. He, he tries to get everything twisted. That's the wires, the wires inside our heart that he tries to get crisscross. So that when we want to do good and we don't do good, he jumps on that and he says, see, that might work for some believers, but it doesn't work for you because you really just don't measure up. You're not enough you got to realize that those kind of voices will come from without. They'll come from within sometimes. They'll come straight from, from the demonic realm, from the, from the kingdom of darkness. And we need to learn how to discern and to say no to that. Anything that in any way attacks your dignity as a beloved son or daughter is something that you need to realize that's not coming from God. The devil knows how to use the Bible to make you feel like you should be condemned, okay? He knows how to take the law and he knows how to make sure that you read just the part where you're failing and coming up short and make you feel like somehow this just doesn't work for you. That's why when we go to the scriptures, we need to always take the Holy Spirit. We always need to be able to release the spirit of the living God that resides in us to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what he wants us to, to receive that day. So we need to do that. 
So the first thing in securing in love is you got to realize that there, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There will be judgment, but you're not going to, you're going to get acquitted. You're going to get the proclamation, not guilty when you stand before the judge. Okay. First thing you got to have, you got to have that. When, when you realize that there's no condemnation for you, and then he goes on in chapter eight and he's telling us that now we have the spirit of life that is in us that causes us to live. And we don't have to follow the, the law of the spirit of sin and death. And when we follow the law of spirit of sin and death, we constantly get tripped up. We constantly uh, got our focus on everything but the one who can sustain us. If you start in the spirit, stay in the spirit. Don't add as your Christian life, you're walking in the spirit and then start adding a few other things alongside of that as far as your performance, your, your attempt at, at moral greatness or anything. No, walk in the spirit because all of that will be accomplished out of your relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a relational dynamic from beginning to end that's why sometimes in, in the United States, when, when we present a plan of salvation and it's a rational, logical appeal to, from the scriptures to our rational head, it, it makes sense to us, but it must be accompanied by a birthing of the spirit for it to really get grounded and rooted in us. They used, one of the theologians said, if anybody can talk you into salvation, someone can talk you out of it. But if you've had an experience, a birthing experience, if you've had an experience with God, no one can argue you out of what you've experienced. So we, we go from there. We see that we've got to realize that we have the spirit living in us and that is life and peace. And as a result of that, we become led by the Spirit of God. We're not just born by the Spirit of God, but now we start following in step with the Holy Spirit. And as we follow in the Spirit, those that are led by the Spirit, he now brings in the language that we all want. We're family. We are the sons and daughters of God because we are led by the Spirit. And so now it goes from just the, oh, thank God, I'm not going to be condemned to, oh, really? The Spirit is here and wants to live it through me? And out of that following Him, I am now coming into a status of adoption. I am now the son and daughter of the Most High God. Oh, that sounds great. So we, so we go from realizing that we're sons, and then we realize if, if we're sons and daughters, we're heirs. We've got an inheritance we are going to be heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. And the co-heir with Christ Jesus is the glory that is in Christ we get to receive as well. Now, I, I was meditating on this and, and just asking the Lord about clarity because a lot of times, you know, we, we think, okay, how, how do we get this glory? Okay, I'll come to Jesus so I can get glory. Nah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, but he's so good, oftentimes we still get the residual. But it's out, out of our relationship with Christ in you, the hope of glory. As Christ and 
as we in Christ become one, we just share his glory. And then Paul had to add, if we share in his sufferings. But notice that he stays there for like a half a verse, and then he jumps to the next verse, and he says, and those sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that we will, that we will know in Christ Jesus. Now, don't you love that? Has anybody ever tried to prepare you for an experience that you're about to encounter and say, you know, this is going to sting, but oh, is it going to be wonderful? The glory, I want you to get on the other side. You will just be so glad that you went through this. It's kind of like if you've ever played sports, when you start the summer two-a-days in football, you can't see the glory of the championship. But as you endure the suffering of what you have to endure to get through to the other side, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, but it's because of the joy. It's the glory that is set on the other side of the cross. And whatever we go through in the way of suffering is nothing compared to what eternally we have before us. Paul says in, in, in Philippians that this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. And it's like, oh, what we have to look forward to, what we will experience is going to far outshine any, any discomfort, any difficulties that we now face. So we get secured by love and, and we, we realize that there's no condemnation. We, we realize that we're now living in the spirit and that the spirit is calling us sons and daughters and that's what we truly are. And from that place, we realize that we are bound for co-heir with Christ Jesus in all his glory. So that gets us to the passage of today. What do you do? If you're going to secure somebody with your love, you got to say, doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Doesn't matter what your circumstances are. I know how to work good in them. I know how to work them for good for those that are in Christ Jesus. Out of that relationship with God, he is now free to move and even the, the ugliest stuff that ever happens to us, he knows how to orchestrate and bring out good. Wow. And he concludes, I've chosen you in my love. I've chosen you. Before the foundation of the earth, I chose you. When we realize that we've been chosen in love, we haven't been chosen the way we get chosen sometimes on the playground. Some of you remember those days. You're on the playground. Okay, Chuck gets to choose first. I get to choose second. He takes Dave and I'll take Quinn and he gets Jim. And, I get, and who's the last one to get chosen? That last one just feels so special, don't they? Okay, I got Steve. I don't want Steve. You can have Steve too. You know, no, we were chosen in love. He chose us and he said, I want you. He wants you because he loves you. If we could get a revelation of how much in the heart of the Father and in the heart of the Son and the heart of the Holy Spirit that God loves us, 
we would be blown away. I don't know, sometimes as, as we're growing on our journey throughout Christ, we have some really screwy thoughts. And I remember there was a time when I thought, you know, Jesus is pretty lucky to have me on his team. I make good grades and I play well in sports and I do this and people like me. And, you know, I'm, he's, really, he's really blessed to have me on his team. And it's like, oh, Really? And it's amazing how immature our, our thinking because we're so prone to think from our natural world perspective that we don't realize, oh, I have no idea how happy he is that I'm on his team, but it has nothing to do with it, I, what I can provide for him. It's everything to do with what he can provide for me. He is really happy to have. A lot of times when, when we get ready for our professional sports here in the city of Indianapolis with the Colts and the Pacers, we can't wait for draft day and see if we can get a lottery pick and if we can be the first one to choose. Do you know when God chose you, he could have chosen anyone and you were his first choice. You were his first choice. I think that's so incredible. So if he's going to secure us in his love, he, he has to let us know that there's no condemnation, that there's spirit, that, that we have sonship and daughtership, and that <clears throat> as we continue through this, oh, he wants us. And he wants to secure us in his love by how he's chosen us. And he wants to secure us in, in his love by saying it doesn't matter what the circumstances are that surround your life at any point in time and space. From here till you're in your eternal dwelling, <laughs> you're, you pass from this life and on to the next. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. He is going to be able to bring good out of it. Now, if we stopped right there and just said, anybody want to take issue with that? You say, hey, you don't know my circumstances. You know, How's God going to bring good out of this? And, and, and you describe something horribly ugly. Well, as a counselor, I've heard some of the most horribly ugly stuff on the planet. And I've watched him work good every time. Every time. I can't believe how incredibly powerful he's able to, to work good. So the things that secures us in his love is to know that his love can never be taken from us. You know, if, if, we've, if we were raised and, and we had a, a, a parent who died while we were a child and our, our, and our father or our mother was taken from us, that leaves a huge wound. And it's like, I, I, I have separation anxiety because the, my loved one's no longer around. And it's like, whoa. And that's what he's dealing with. He's letting us know that regardless of what happens in our physical circumstances, his love will never be taken from us. Whatever you're doing, your love cannot be separated from him. His love cannot be separated from you. And I love the passion, how the passion just says, there is absolutely no power in the universe that can diminish his love. 
not, not just block his love. There's no power in the universe that can demi diminish his love for you. Then how come sometimes we feel loved and sometimes we don't feel loved? Get this in your spirit today. There is no power in the universe that can diminish his love for you. There's two answers to that question. Why do I sometimes feel his love? At least two answers. Sometimes it's because we have put ourselves in a position that we, we ha are not able to receive the fullness of his love. There's no demon, there's no, there's no circumstance that can do that, but when somehow we align ourselves, we misalign ourselves, sometimes we're just not aware of how much he loves us. Sometimes we get so caught in the hustle and bustle of, of worldly life that we don't realize how much he loves us. But then there are times when I find that the Lord just takes our awareness of his love and sometimes his presence because he's teaching us something. It's never, it's never harmful. It's never to punish you. Sometimes it's to teach us how to fly when things aren't peachy-dory, when things aren't just red roses and things are difficult. He teaches us how to be faithful and he's working a depth of faithfulness in us. Hmm. But know this, theologically, doctrinally, nothing can diminish the power of his love for you. Nothing. There's nothing that can drive a wedge between you and him. We drive wedges between us and him. And from our point, it feels like, oh gosh, what has happened? But he, he, never, he never puts a wedge between us. Anytime I found myself feeling like I was outside his love, it was just because I wasn't aware that his love was still coming. I felt like whatever I did disqualified me from receiving his love. Whatever the enemy uses against you to try to convince you and get you to live as though the love of God is something that is beyond you, beyond what you deserve, just know that that's, that's, that's Jedi mind tricks that the enemy's trying to use on you. Don't buy in. It, it's the manipulative power of the evil one. Do not listen to that. Be secure in his love. So there's nothing, gosh. In the Passion and in the NIV, I think nothing is, is repeated three times. Three times. In the Passion it says, for nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. And it says, nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. And then again, nothing in our present or future circumstances can weaken his love. There's no kryptonite to God's love. There's nothing that the enemy can introduce that will make God's love less powerful. Hmm. Nothing will distance us from his passionate love. God is for us. He works through our circumstances. Jesus, 
I, I love this passage where Jesus is interceding for you to triumph. He's continually praying for our triumph. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. It's possible. It's absolutely impossible for anything to separate us from the love of God. So here we conclude with once more reading this passage from the message of Eugene Peterson. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God, doesn't, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his, son, his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would, even, who, who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is the presence of God, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone's going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. <laughs> cracks me up. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. None of this, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Wow. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Amen. Wow. Jesus loves us. No doubt. Mm. <clears throat> and if you're not feeling it this morning, it's time to start feeling it. You know, it's really time to start believing the truth of God's love for you. Some may need to hear today, not guilty. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to receive. And once again, the dormant parts of us that, that so quickly fall asleep, we need to wake up and stir and say, all of me is loved by all of him. All of him loves all of me. To realize how much he loves you and to embrace that. <clears throat> Some need to realize that you're really difficult to convince. You are really hard to be secured by his love. Because every time he gives an expression of his love, you have a way of deflecting it so that you don't believe the fullness of how much he loves you. And I just want to encourage you today by faith to just take all your resistance and all the arguments and all the, the historical things that you have against God that justifies why he, he, 
He may tolerate you, but he really doesn't love you. He might love you because that's who he is. He's loved, but he really doesn't like you. To just suspend that for a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to bring to you today a full manifestation of his love. To hear the Lord say to you, will you let me love all of you? Even the parts that's hidden in the corners or put in the closet, will you let me love all of you? So Holy Spirit, just come now. I pray that this wonderful weekend of Thanksgiving would be a a time when we would be undone with the gratitude of your love. For you have chosen us in love. You've taken the greatest treasure of your, your, your heart, your son, and you gave him for us. So you're not going to withhold anything from us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would dismantle every lie, every construct that we have in our spirit, our mind, our soul, our body, our will that tells us a message other than the one that is true and is substantiated that you have chosen us in love Hmm. and that nothing can separate us from that reality. Nothing can diminish your love. Nothing can weaken your love. Nothing in any way And so, Holy Spirit, seal us today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.